Well, we're ten days away from Christmas. I've sung Hark the Herald nine times so far. I've sung Away in a Major six times. And next Sunday night, men will gather under the bridge and we'll sing some great carols. Because next week the whole world focuses on Jesus. The whole world will stop and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But my question for us here at Church by the Bridge tonight is... How big is the Jesus that you will celebrate this Christmas? When when we talk about Jesus, when we sing about Jesus, when we pray to Jesus, how big is the person that you are imagining right now? See, my fear is that many of us here whether you've been a Christian for for three months or thirty years, have such a, a shallow, naive, childlike view of the person of Jesus Christ. We leave him in the manger. We leave him as a man on the cross. He's just Jesus. The whole world will stop next week to focus on Jesus. But their view of Jesus might be something like this. You've got the, uh, the South Park Jesus who is just weak and sad and pathetic. You've got what I like to call the, the cuddly little sheep Jesus. He's loving and he's patting lambs and he can advertise any, any soft and gentle washing detergent. You've got the... Jesus, my homeboy, he's your ultimate fashion accessory, he's your buddy, he's your mate. You've got Jesus, the action figure, you can even buy him. Pull him out, rub him a bit and ask him for anything and he'll give it to you. Or my particular favourite, you've got the hair product Jesus. He's well groomed, he's a bit of a stud. (laughs) Uh, we, We laugh, but actually, when I say the word Jesus, that's what a lot of the world will think. The man in the pictures, the man, the boy in the manger, that's who Jesus is to them. And we may laugh, but actually I'm not sure that many of us here would have much deeper views of Jesus. Because I keep meeting Christians at this church who lack assurance, who, who lack joy, who lack depth in their faith, and they're struggling as Christians. They're what I call unsatisfied Christians, if only I had this in my life, if only I had this, this person or this job or this, this property or this possession, uh, then I'd be fully satisfied. And I want to say, isn't Jesus enough for you? Or I keep meeting uh, the Christians who just lack assurance, you know. How can I be sure that I'm saved? How can I be sure I'm forgiven? Well, that's because you've got a shallow view of Jesus. Or I keep meeting Christians who are just undiscerning. They'll listen to every bit of teaching, every latest book they will read, and they'll take everything to be the truth. And I'll say, how deep is your view of Jesus? You see, the depth of our understanding of Christ will actually shape our Christian lives. If you're content with your shallow, childlike view of Jesus, then your Christian life will be just that, shallow and childlike. If you're willing to plumb the depths and to have your your view and your vision enlarged of how majestic Jesus really is, 
then you'll flourish and then you'll grow. Because the Christian life is a bit like a flower. What happens with a flower? It, it grows and it sprouts and it blossoms. How does it do that? By, by having deep roots. And the deeper you go into Christ, the more you enlarge your vision of who Jesus is, the more likely you are to blossom and flourish in your daily walk with Jesus. Why don't you want to know Jesus better? Why don't you want your, your mind to be stretched and your heart to be warmed as you, you know Jesus better? Why? Is it sin? Are you scared that if you know Jesus better then actually you'll see how, how wretched you really are in comparison? Is it worldliness? You know, that if we know Jesus better then we're scared that we'll be asked to give up things and we don't like that. Is it just pride that we don't like to think that we don't know everything about Jesus? Or is it just laziness? We're content to have that shallow, naive, childlike view of Jesus. How big is your Jesus? What I want to do tonight is to equip you for Christmas Day so that when you celebrate the birth of your Saviour, you won't just focus on a baby, you won't just focus on a man, you'll be focusing on the, the majestic, glorious, supreme and sufficient Jesus Christ. Do you want to go there with me? Who is Jesus? Number one, he's Lord of creation. He is the Lord of creation. Paul starts with the most mind-blowing statement in verse 15. Look at it with me. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's not an image of God. He's not a copy. He's not a duplicate of the image of God. He's not like you and me. You know, we are created in the image of God. But Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the one who makes the, the invisible God visible. He's the one who makes the unknowable God knowable. It is what the writer of the Hebrews says. Hebrews 1 verse 3 on your screen. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Everything about him is exactly God. Jesus says in John 14, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Let's just think about this. In the Old Testament, you could not look at God face to face and live. You could not see the glory of God and live. And yet when Jesus steps into the world, what does he say? He says, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We've seen God. That's what Paul says. He's the image of the invisible God, the, the precise character of God, his goodness, his mercy, his compassion, his righteousness, his glory, his beauty, all perfectly seen in Jesus. And that's because, my friends, Jesus was before creation. That's what verse 17 says. Look at it with me. Jesus is before all things. Five mind-blowing words. Jesus is before all things. Uh, Paul is saying that you and I could never say there's a time when Jesus was not. You could push your imagination as far back as you could, beyond his childhood, beyond his birth, beyond even creation, 
as far back as your imagination could possibly, possibly go and you could never say there was a time when Jesus did not exist. Uh, before, before the clock of time started ticking, Jesus was there. He is pre-existent, he is eternal. That is so important because Jesus Christ is not some created being as Jehovah's Witness say he is. It's not as though 2,000 years ago God suddenly thought, oh I know, I'll, I'll just create someone called Jesus. Let's not ask the question, what happened before Jesus? Because it's a futile question. There was never a time when Jesus was not there. That's a difficult concept, isn't it? No beginning and, and no end. But that's what Paul is teaching us. At Christmas, we are just seeing the, the visible, physical expression of the eternal Jesus. How big is your Jesus now? He's before all creation. Now this will blow your mind. He is the agent of creation. Look at verse 16. For by Jesus all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Jesus and, and for Jesus. It's a theme throughout the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, how did God create? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be creatures, and there was creatures. How does God create? Through his word. Who is the word? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, according to this verse, created everything. Nothing that exists, Jesus did not create. Everything that's ever been made in heaven and on earth, things we can see, things we can't see, is all made by Jesus Christ. Uh, from man to mouse, from elephant to amoeba, from the most complex solar system, to the most minute detail, all created by Jesus. Let's stretch our minds. Walk out that door, you see the most amazing harbour, you might go to the most amazing mountains, you look up to the sun that your eyes can't stare at without being blinded. And Jesus created all of that. Go out into the outback into a beautiful clear sky and with the naked eye you could see possibly 2,500 stars. Now that is 0.000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
See, who are you? Who am I? I'm a unique individual made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Why am I here? To know the one who made me. To know the one who loves me. How big is Jesus? He's before creation. He's the agent of creation. He is, he's the goal of creation. Uh, verse 16 again. Look at the end of verse 16. All things were created by him. Well, those last three words. Created by him and, and for him. It's really what verse 15 is saying. He is the firstborn over all creation. Not, not like the eldest child. Not the first one made. The firstborn in that he is the, the heir. He is the supreme heir. He inherits everything. It all belongs to him. And that simple truth that everything belongs to Jesus, it will have profound implications on your worldview and your life. Because this, does, this world does not exist for us. This world doesn't revolve around us. The purpose of my existence is not me. It's not about me and my self-satisfaction and my self-achievement and my self-glory. Why am I here? For Jesus. To bring glory to Jesus. Why do you exist? For Jesus. Everything on this earth exists for Jesus and one day you will see him. How big to Jesus now? Before creation, agent of creation, he is the goal of creation. He's also the sustainer of creation. Verse 17, look at it with me. Jesus is before all things. Yes, he's always existed. And in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. He is the one who not just made the world, but he actively works to sustain it and to maintain it and to keep this creation going. Jesus is the one, if you want, who, who keeps this world spinning at the right speed, at the right angle, at the right temperature, so that we can have breath and we can have life. Every minute of every hour of every day since the creation of the world, who has been sustaining it? The Lord Jesus Christ. And that has profound implications because it means that every breath that you take and every step that you take is all because of Jesus. See, why do we question and why do we doubt whether God will hold on to us? If he's keeping the world spinning and all the planets spinning, he can hold little me and little you in his hand, can't he? He's that big. Now do you see how a bigger view of Jesus, if you're willing to have your massive view of Jesus, it'll change your whole life. Now we owe our existence to him. He sustains us day by day. We're made by him, we're made for him. And we're totally dependent on him. Do you want to come a bit deeper with me? He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of the church. That's what Paul says in verse 18. And Jesus is the head of the body. The church. The idea of a body is just different parts, different members, different roles, but all united to be one body. And who is the head? It's Jesus. He's not talking about the local gathering here. He's not just talking about church by the bridge. He's talking about God's universal 
worldwide church. And who's the head of that church? Not the Pope, not the Queen, not the Archbishop, not me, but Jesus. Verse 18 again. He's the head of the church because he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Do you understand it? He is the author of the church because he is the firstborn from the dead. It is at his resurrection that the church comes into being. So of course he's the head. Of course he's the the supreme thing because he's the author of the church. So the, the, the Colossian church and the Ephesian church and the Philippian church and the, the church in South Africa and the church in Asia and the church in Kirbilly were all people who have been given birth to by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the one that we meet to worship. He is the one that we submit to. He is the one that we honour. He is the one that we glorify because he's our Lord and he's head. And it means, my friends, that when we gather, we don't just gather as a social club. We don't just gather to find a spouse. We don't just gather because it's a nice thing to do on a Sunday night. We gather to honour him and to glorify him as our Lord and our Saviour. Now what happens if, if you have people at the centre of a church? Or personalities at the centre of a church? What happens to the churches where they just they meet to be entertained? What happens when all they talk about is our church and my church and this church and what happens is not a church at all because Jesus is not there. I pray that this church will be one where everything that's said in this church, everything that's preached in this church, everything that's sung in this church would actually point us to Jesus. And so we would leave here equipped week after week after week to go out into the world to live every single day with Jesus as our Lord, Jesus as our head. How big's your Jesus? Is he just a baby? He's just a man on a cross? No, no, no. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the Lord of his church. But he's also the Lord of reconciliation. Now this should blow your mind. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all the fullness of God dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus to, to reconcile, to bring together, to unite to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I don't know whether you've had the heartache of broken relationships. Where, where the person that you love so hurts you and so offends you. Now to take those two people and to reconcile them is costly and it's miraculous. And God is saying here that we are the enemies of God. That we are the ones who have hurt God so badly. The one who loved us, the one who created us, the one who bore us. And to reconcile us to himself That is painful and that is costly. How did it happen? Look at verse 20. By making peace through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. I I know you know this and I know we preach it every week 
But I don't think you have grasped, or I have grasped fully, what it cost the creator of the universe and the agent of creation to shed his blood for us. Because if you'd lived 2,000 years ago, and if we gathered in a place like this, you'd be sitting there and you'd be retching because the smell would be so bad. This place would stink. Why? Because hundreds and thousands of animals would have been slaughtered just so you could enter into this place. There will be goats, there will be bulls, there will be rams, there will be birds, there will be blood shed all over the place. All because God's people want to gather together and on their mind, on their hearts, they are thinking and they're pondering and they're wondering, has God forgiven me? Is the blood of this bull enough to forgive me? And then Jesus steps into the world, the sinless one, the blameless one, the creator who humbles himself to become a man and then he sheds his blood blood pouring out of his head blood pouring out of his side blood shed, why? look at the verse again, verse 20 so that you and I can have peace peace with our maker we long for peace, don't we? peace is a great word at Christmas peace on earth and mercy mild God and sin is reconciled. That's what Jesus is offering you. Costly, cosmic reconciliation. All things are reconciled to God through his blood. And then Paul personalises it in verse 21. Look at it. Verse 21. Once you, once I, was alienated from God and was enemies in my mind because of my evil behaviour the times when I said I don't believe in God and I don't want to follow God and I don't trust God and I'll go my way and I was enemies of God but verse 22 God has reconciled me by, and you by Christ's physical body through death and he wants to present me and you holy and perfect and pure in his sight without blemish and free from accusation and that is amazing that I can stand in God's presence holy and pure and blameless because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus and I know you know that and I know that you sing it and I know when I stand here and I preach it but do you feel it? do you live it? Are you just blown away that the creator of the universe and the one who flung stars into space, he knows you intimately and he shed his blood for you so that you could be reconciled. So this Christmas day when you wake up and you look at that baby, you can say, he's my saviour, he's my lord, he's my creator, he's my king. Because when you do grasp it, when you've grasped that the, the cosmic ruler and sustainer of the universe is also your redeemer and your saviour and your friend, then you won't be satisfied with the childlike view of Jesus. You won't be satisfied with a naive view of Jesus. Do you want to live the next 5, 10, 20 years, how many years God has given you on earth? Just plodding unsatisfied, undiscerning then walk out of this church tonight and do nothing just stick with the view of Jesus as a baby in a manger or, or just the man on the cross 
But if you want to flourish, if you want to grow and blossom, allow your minds to be stretched as you plumb the depths of Jesus. How big is your Jesus? How big is he? Is the one that you worship, the, the Lord of creation who flung stars into space and keeps this world spinning and holds you and me in the palm of his hand? Is he the one that we gather together with Christians throughout the world to honour and to submit to and to worship? And as you look at the cross and see the blood that was shed, do you say, He died for me? He died for me. I pray you join us next Sunday to sing carols. But I pray that as you sing them, your minds will be stretched with the massive, majestic Lord Jesus Christ. I asked the question to someone a couple of years ago, what does Jesus mean to you? I ask it regularly. And I still remember a man saying to me, what does Jesus mean to me? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, Jesus, he means everything to me. He's my life. He's my Lord. He's my sustainer. He's my comforter. He's my all. Let me pray. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. By Jesus all things were created. He's the head of the church. And he's reconciled us to God through his blood shed on the cross. Our Lord Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. You are eternal. You're majestic. You're infinitely powerful. We praise you that you sustain us day by day. That you keep this world going. You give us our every breath. We worship you as our King, Head of this Church. And Lord, we, we bow before you with hearts full of praise and gratitude for your blood shed for us. Lord, that we can look at you and call you our Saviour and our Friend and our King. Lord, make us people whose minds are blown away and our hearts are pumping with how majestic you really are. We love you, Lord, and we want to honour you and give you the glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.